We don't have to fight and wrestle it. What is yours will come to you easily. And in that same vein, the part two of that is just say out loud in the morning, show me how good it gets. Failing. 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 I know. When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. That's a blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Listeners, today I have my friend, Kendra Ramirez. Kendra, just so you you all know, Kendra was the first person that I knew was like a LinkedIn social media expert. I mean, this is like, I don't know, back in the day when LinkedIn just opened up and I thought, oh my God, I want to be like her. She's such a rockin' entrepreneur. She is the CEO of Kendra Ramirez Digital Agency. Welcome, my friend. Oh my goodness, Sarah. Thank you so much. <gasps> I'm so happy to see you. You as well. The last time we saw each other, it was at a women's event and it was like, what, three weeks ago. And it was so great to be in person and be able to hug people. Oh my goodness. It was so fun. I was on a high after leaving that event. (laughs) I was too. I totally was too. Okay, friend, tell us where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Tell us about your family. Gosh, where do we start, right? (laughs) I know. (laughs) I grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And um, my parents are still there. And I am one of three. I'm middle child. So I have an older sister. Yes, yes, middle child. I'm middle too. Yes. (laughs) I have an older sister who happens to be 10 years older than uh, than myself. And then a younger brother who's five years younger. So sometimes it's interesting how I show up because sometimes I am middle child, but sometimes I'm also firstborn because of the big gap between my sister and I. Kendra, Bowling Green, I don't really know much about Bowling Green, Kentucky. What is it like there? It is a perfect town to grow up in. It's um, out, It's just north of Nashville. So you have that small town um, flavor, really? if you will. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You have the small town flavor. And but when you want the the bigger city, then you go into into Nashville. So I spent a lot of time in Nashville growing up as well. But it it's just fantastic. My my dad was raised on a farm, so I also had that side of my life of being out in the country and shooting guns and riding four wheelers that were made out of lawnmower motors. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. And then my mom was a, a single child. And so my, my dad grew up in a, a family farm, right? So there was, um, he was one of six. And so talk about extremes, you know, one family was very large and the other family, um, you know, was a little bit smaller. And so it was really nice just being able to grow up in that capacity and have all aspects, you know, so the country life, but also spending time down in Nashville growing up. And yeah, it's a fantastic community to grow up in and uh, ended up going to college at Western Kentucky, which is in Bowling Green. Okay. Okay. So is Bowling Green really a uh, college town? Yes, very much. Very much college town. It's it's considered a suitcase college because on the weekends, everyone went home. Interesting. All Mm -hmm. right. So you went there and was like... Did you always know that you wanted to go there? Did you want to go away? Like what, what was going on with that? 
Oh, absolutely. It's one of those things growing up. My family was very involved at at Western going to all the sporting events. My grandparents were season ticket holders from like day one of their even being a basketball team at Western. And so I didn't even look at any other colleges because I didn't even know anything else existed in regards to like my world. (laughs) Sure, sure. And then when did you move to Cincinnati? My first job out of college, I landed in Louisville and uh, was quickly promoted and sent to Cincinnati. So I came here on a job promotion and I didn't know a single soul. And I cried for three months because I was like, (laughs) it was such a hard transition by not knowing anyone. And then the first thing out of everyone's mouth is, oh, what high school did you go to? I'm like, I'm not from here. (laughs) I hate it. Like, I just cringe. When I hear that, because I am from here and I don't ever ask that question. Good for you. It's it, Yeah, because it's it it divides us. It really it does. doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, I know people do it because they're trying to connect. And somehow it does the opposite for people that aren't from here. Agreed. Agreed. So you moved here and. When did you realize you wanted to go out on your own? That's really been something that I had always envisioned myself of having my own business. So I was the kid that started a lemonade stand. I was the kid that sold Girl Scout cookies and wall, um, a Christmas wrapping and you know all that. My dad owned his own business growing up. He was a real estate broker as well as a house builder and a house flipper before flipping was even a term. And so I always envisioned that for myself. And I literally played business as a kid. Like I would answer, you know, my little play phone and say, I would play real estate, you know, like, okay, um, how many (laughs) bedrooms do you want? How many bathrooms? What school district? (laughs) Oh my gosh. So it was really modeled for you. Very much, very much. And it it was to the point of it being a family business that my dad always like, you're going to join the family business, right? I'm like, heck no, because growing up in real estate, like when it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's really bad. And so we lost our house when I was 12 because of the real estate market. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. What did that teach you? Oh my goodness. Um, Talk about learning your your money story, right? Uh, It caused me to be very budget-minded, which also led to scarcity mindset that I really needed to work through and understand. Because as you know, you can't have a business or run a business when you're in scarcity mindset. Yeah. It always surprised me uh, that when I first met you, I don't think you were married. I think you were single. And running your own business. And I always thought, oh my God, how is she doing that? How is she like paying for her bills, you know, all on her own without a partner to fall back on? Yes. And and not only that, but I was newly divorced when I started my business. Like, yeah, when's a a great time to start a business? (laughs) Right when you're in the middle of a divorce. (laughs) Okay. I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it was very much um, at the time I was a sales leader for a Fortune 500 company in a very successful role. And I love to learn and I love technology 
And so my peers across the country are like, what are you doing? Why is your team, you know, so successful? And, you know, some of it was leadership. Some of it was, I had an amazing team. And then some of it was the technology we were using. And so I started showing them how to use LinkedIn back then. And then other people started calling me saying, hey, I heard you know how to, to do this. Can you show me and my sales team? And oh, by the way, I'll pay you. And I'm like, hmm, I think I'm on to something. And so I started teaching people how to use LinkedIn and t- about sales methodology. And, um, and then an opportunity led to me being able to just start a business and start teaching this. And it was such an aha moment that I took my business um, plan to three different business coaches. And all three of them said, you can't start a business out of this. It's a fad. No way. <laughs> no way. And I love okay, telling so then that why, story. Why did you, uh, how did you know to persevere? Because I knew in every fiber of my being that this is where things were going. Okay. Can we talk about this? Can we take a minute and talk about this? One of the, as I've interviewed over a hundred people, all resilient people have certain competencies or skills or mindset, whatever it might be. And one of the things that I've found, I created a model called the heroic model. And one of the areas is intuition. So that I and heroic is intuition. And I was talking to some high schoolers a couple of weeks ago, and I said, does anybody talk to you all about intuition? And they said, no, I don't really even know what my own intuition is. So if you were talking to those high schoolers, and when you said every fiber in my being, how did you know that? How do you uh, teach that, learn it? Yeah. And and it's so right. And I'm so glad that you're talking about that because we don't trust our intuition. We all have intuition. We all have that nudge, that prompt, that something that, you know, gets you excited and fired up about. And then you go and share it with other people and then they poo poo it. Right. They're like, ah, that's silly. That's um, and what I always say is you have to be mindful of where the other person is coming from when they tell you like, oh, well, that sounds silly because it's their own fear, right? It's their own lens that they're looking through. So what I learned, what I learned by going through this process is when I shared what my vision was for having a digital business literally 16 years ago to these three Mm -hmm. business coaches, it was their own fear of technology. Wow. And so with intuition, it's just, um, with how every, did you have that intuition? How did you, yeah. how did you know to listen to that nudge? So how with, did you even know you had a nudge? <laughs> well, the nudge was just more and more people were reaching out to me and saying, Hey, I heard, you know how to do this and I'll pay you. I mean, when you start hearing that commonality, that common thread, listen to the common thread. And mm-hmm. that's really where I said, I think I'm onto something. And then the fact that when people after going through the training that I was doing then would have those aha moments of, oh, I get it now. I didn't realize I could do that. Then that just led to the next step. And so I just, you know, really just, it's about just listening, looking for the commonalities and then leaning into it. 
and knowing that we don't have to have every single step figured out that, but by taking action, it led to more things being revealed and allowing me to know that I was taking the right steps and that there are no wrong steps. There might be steps Mm. where we step outside the guardrail right? Because we all have guardrails in our lives. There's no wrong steps because even when I made wrong steps, which I made many (laughs) wrong steps, all it did was made me come back and pivot, right? You'll be able to make changes to be able to evolve. And so that's why I love your podcast so much because it's like fail forward, right? Failing forward. And that's what I did. My whole career was continue to, to learn and fall down and get back up and learn again. So from the outside, you always were a model for me. Like I never thought you were afraid of it. Mm. You always just seemed so courageous and confident. Where did that come from? Does that come from that intuition? Just where, where does that come from? Was that shown by your dad and your mom? Like where, where is that? Oh, and just the fact that you said that means the world to me. So thank you. Um, yeah, it's... It's one of those things I've definitely in the last, I'd say eight to 10 years, I am way more confident now than I was when I first started the business. Uh, and because when the first started the business, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and having, having to learn. And I think it's just, I've never been afraid to ask for help or tell someone I don't understand something. And so I always surrounded myself by mentors, other people that were further along than, than I am in my career. And, um, I remember reaching out to people that were, you know, multimillionaires and just saying, Hey, I admire what you've built for yourself and the multiple businesses you have. And could I maybe sit down with you as a, a new entrepreneur? And would you be able to share, you know, some words of wisdom with me? And, I wasn't afraid just to send those emails because what's the worst that can happen? They just ignore my email. And I had several people say yes. And not only spend 15 minutes with me, but one person for sure, he spent two hours with me and I only asked for 15 minutes. Like, Hey, just 15 minutes and kind of just, what would you advise? And what are things I need to be thinking of? And like, I'll never forget that. And so I do that for others on a very, that's what I was just going to say. I was going to say that you totally do that for others. And I've noticed that you don't hoard your time. You're always giving of your time. Always. And I know you're busy. Everybody's busy. Okay. And yet you will always take that time. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I'm so glad to hear that that is is seen because Mm -hmm. I do. I I love those conversations because someone did it for me. And so I feel like I, it's, it's my job to turn around and share how I got here and the mistakes I made and the things that I wish someone had told me early on in my career. Over the years, I've coached executives and young professionals looking to embrace their strengths, level up their leadership and find their dream careers. Just like my podcast guests, my clients have been stuck, but I've helped them navigate whatever challenge they're facing and find a way forward. That's the goal of our 10-week coaching program, Move Forward. Through my guests' best practices, 
our coaching tools, my team and I will help you discover your primary motivations and challenge the unhealthy and limiting beliefs that are holding you back. You'll use neuroscience to create new healthy habits and create a move forward plan for your future. If you're interested, you can visit failforwardpod.com backslash coaching to learn more and to sign up for a one hour exploratory coaching session. That's failforwardpod.com backslash coaching. What are you passionate about today? Because I know you always have new ideas and you're always working on stuff. So what are you working on today? Or, or let me ask that, like, what problem are you trying to solve today? Ooh, I, this, so I pick a word every year and, yes. and yes. you and I have talked about that before. Yeah. Yes. And so my word this year is flow and it's spirit led okay. flow. So spirit led flow means to me, I don't need to hustle. I don't need to grind. I don't need to push. I need to be present in today and present in this conversation and not worried about tomorrow or not worried about six months from now that I am provided for. And, and that is a learning lesson that I've had to you know, really lean into because growing up in my career, I was a climb the ladder girl. I worked right, right. crazy hours. Me too. And, and I sold myself, right? Like, and, and so I've now learned the more I lean into staying in flow and staying present, the actual more success has come by being in that space. There had to have been a failure or an obstacle or an aha moment that enlightened you to realize this, this focus on flow. Was there a pivotal point? The aha was going back and looking through year over year growth, when things were just meshing and when things were falling into place. And what I was learning by doing that kind of look back is when I leaned into just being present and not having the anxiety of worrying about needing to know all the steps is when things were just happening. Like things were just coming out of nowhere to you, to me. And I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't quote unquote earn that. Wait a minute. I didn't quote unquote hustle to get that. It just showed up. And I think it showed up because of the energy that I put out. And in regards to it, I'm put on this earth to serve others. So the more I am just leaning into that serving just stuff appears and those relationships happen. And, and for anyone listening to this podcast, someone right now in this very moment is speaking your name to someone else and you don't even know what's happening. I just wanted to pause for that because I think that's a really good statement and so true. So true. What happens when, you know, you mentioned earlier around guardrails and, (coughs) excuse me, you mentioned earlier about guardrails. What if you get out of flow? How do you recognize that and then get back in it? I call this look for the wobble and we all have it, but we don't look for it. 
So looking for the wobble means you are maybe short with others. You are easily irritated. You are um, just jumping to maybe a negative conclusion, right? So, yes. so think of think of like you get an email from a client, and all the email says is "We need to talk." Well, my brain goes to, "Oh God, they're going to cancel!" Like my brain immediately goes down this, you know, rabbit hole. Yes. And so, in those moments, I know that I'm out of flow because I'm in that wobble, right? Like I'm either being short with someone, and that's not usually my nature, or I'm jumping to negative conclusions very quickly. That's not in my nature. So then, in those moments, I know I'm I'm out of out of bounds for myself. I'm you know looking for the wobble, and so that tells me I need to check back in with myself. And what am I not doing? Yes. Am I not resting enough? Am I not um, maybe exercising as much as I should? Am I not um, spending quality time with my prayer life? Am I, you know, just asking myself, what is it about my daily practices from a mindset standpoint? What, a, what, have, what have I, you know, kind of stopped doing for me to not be able to show up fully and how I'm supposed to be able to show up fully? I love the wobble. I love that. And I know exactly what you were talking about with regards to like, I did it um, over the weekend and I was sharing with a friend last night. I was like, I am really sorry, but I wanted to let you know that I was really irritated, irritable last weekend. And that's not normally me. And uh, that I was definitely in the wobble. Girl, I love that. By the way, are you going to write a book on that or something around that? Because I think you should. (laughs) <laughs> well, it just so happens I did just write a book called Micro Shift. And in the, is the micro- wobble in there? Yes, the wobble is in Micro Shifts. Stop so- it. Stop. You guys, I did not this was not pre-planned. This was not pre-planned, okay? Micro Shift. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, can we get that on Amazon? Absolutely. Is it out you yet? Sure can't. Yes it is. Okay. Okay, what else is in micro shift? It's all the little mindset things that I've learned through my coach um, over the last eight years and um, of, you know, really being able to catch, you know, so talking about looking for the wobble is if you look for the little things when you're off your guardrail or where you're out of your bounds, it helps you catch it before it becomes an explosion. It helps you catch it before it becomes full on burnout. It helps you catch Right. Um, and so micro shift is all these learnings that I've had about uh, understanding my inner critic and understanding how my brain will sabotage me sometimes because I'm very hard on myself. And so I really right, needed let's, to. Let's hold on. Let's talk about the inner critic. This is really good. Let's let's dive into that one. Yes, yeah, uh, it's, it's one of my favorites. Okay, I'm I'm going to okay, I want to think of an example for me, but then I want you to give an example for you. Perfect. Okay, I got it. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Will you give me an example and then what to do with it? And then I want to share mine. I love it. So for me, when I first started working with my coach, I told him that I was really struggling with feeling smart, you know, and feeling qualified and um, you know, because in my head, I'm like, gosh, who am I to be doing this kind of work? Who am I to have the success that I'm having? You know, just really yeah. doubting that. And uh, school was really hard for me growing up. I don't learn by reading from a book. I'm more of a hands-on learner. And that's why I fell into technology. 
But what I didn't understand was I just learned differently. But instead, I picked up as a child in fifth grade that I wasn't smart. And I told myself that Mm -hmm. for many, many years. And so he had me name my inner critic when I am uh, in that loop, right? Because inner critic usually is a loop where you're just stuck on something. And it's usually something that all of us can say, oh, I know exactly that loop. And so Mm -hmm. he said, I needed to name my inner critic, give it a name and something that makes you laugh, right? And so I named mine Karen. And so don't come at me, Karens. I love you, Karens. I just didn't Did you make name me this laugh. before? Did no. you name this before Karen came out or no, after it Karen was, came it out? Was, it was as soon as the memes came out. It was like, oh, this is perfect because my inner critic okay, felt okay. that way. And so yeah. he's like, we need to name her because it needs to not be you. And so we need to name the inner critic and we need to give that inner critic a different voice. So he's like a Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse or Goofy or not your voice. And so Mm -hmm. in those moments when my brain wants to go to the negative thought, I can say, not today, Karen. Karen, you're not going to steal my joy. And then it makes me meet like even smiling right now. Like when I say it, it makes me giggle, you know, it makes me giggle. And so then I'm able to reframe and say, nope, this is just my brain saying, I don't feel safe right now. Right. That's it. When your inner critic gets loud, your brain is just saying, I don't feel safe. Okay. That has been, I learned that this week with my therapist around, um, so mine, my, mine seems to, it's not inner critic, it's a uh, protector. So if I am feeling less than or not lovable, I'll get angry and snippy. And it's, and it's only because something tender was touched and I'm trying to protect it. And so it was interesting because my therapist sort of called me on it. She was like, you know, I don't know if you're really being honest with yourself about this. And, and I was like, oh my God, it was such a great aha for me. Cause the second I realized, and I don't mean honest in the sense of, um, like telling a lie. I think it's honest and owning who I am and what hurts. Yes. And I think I've been talking about this honesty thing a lot this week. I think honesty is a really is a multi-layered word. But for me, the this week it means, you know, connection with self, going back. I'm gonna go back to your intuitive piece, like really knowing self and being honest with when some part of me gets hurt, that I can find safety and take care of that part of Sarah. I call her baby Sarah. Oh, I love you know? it. Yes. I know. I love baby Sarah too. And she's like little cute and she's Mm -hmm. little, she's like six to eight. Anyway, the reframing is huge. Like the awareness and then the reframing is so, it's so powerful. And I love that micro shift book and the, the, that piece around the inner critic. Yeah. It's, it has helped me tremendously. Yeah, it has helped me tremendously. And because we have over 70,000 thoughts per day, and 70% of them are negative. And so we need to capture our thoughts. And it's even in the Bible, right? I mean, capture your Say thoughts. Say that again. Say that again. 70,000 thoughts a day. Yeah, 70,000 thoughts per day, and 70% of them are negative. And this was from Psychology Today research. 
And this was prior to COVID. So I would say it's probably even higher than that. And, you know, we're all walking around in these bubbles of, you know, this negative, you know, cloud. And we're all thinking that we're constantly being judged or constantly being compared. And, and we're not. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Mm -mm. No. We're probably comparing ourselves to others, but they're they're not thinking about us, right? Is that what you're saying? Correct. Yeah, not at all. They're not thinking about you at all. <laughs> Never. My sister used to say to me, I know you think you're important, but you're really not. And that sounds harsh. She's going to be like, why did you say that? But it, she was right. Mm -hmm. And she was a good reminder to kind of like smack me out of it. It, it really gives you... Um, it helps you reframe, right? That you're not stuck in that thought. Yes. Okay. I want you to close with, you know, before you came on this show, I'm sure you were like, I want to make sure that I talk about or I share the following. What is it? Because listeners, I don't know this going into it. Oh gosh. I just love this. Um, can I, can I give just two little nuggets? So one would yeah. be, one would be because I'm in that flow, flow is my word. I've been sharing with anyone that comes in my circles, what is yours will come to you easily. What is yours will come to you easily. Right? We've already been, we already have a plan. God already has a plan for us. He's already laid it out. We don't have to fight and wrestle it. What is yours will come to you easily. And in that same vein, the part two of that is just say out loud in the morning, show me how good it gets. I'm writing this down. Show me, show how, me how good it good it gets. Now, yes. when you say that, I have to say, listeners, you can't see Kendra, but you have a smile on your face and you've got energy behind that. Very. Show me how good it gets. What is yours will come to you easily. I think this is really interesting and I may be making some connections, but you and I grew up kind of similarly where we weren't the smartest person in the class, but we worked harder than anybody else. So I'm guessing that your big, big learning and aha was like, I don't have to work so hard because what is mine will come easily. Exactly. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's absolutely it. And here I scratched and clawed and worked craziness. And, and now like I am so in my element and so in flow and life is easy right now. And I'm so appreciative. Like every single day I wake up with gratitude. Damn. I I'm speechless. Cause I'm thinking, I think I need that. <laughs> I don't think I have, but anyway, Kendra, this has been friggin' awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you. I was tickled to death. I literally came home and told my husband, I'm like, I get to be on this podcast that I just so admire. So, and I have admired you throughout your journey as well. So I so appreciate it. You are one of my expanders. I don't know if you, I've talked about expanders on the show before. They're people that have achieved things that I want to achieve. I admire in them. And it's great for the brain to see that because if the brain sees it in somebody else, they'll believe it for yourself. And so thank you for being my expander. Oh, thank you. 
I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod.